Thanks for tuning in to Over the Road Bible, a podcast from TFC Global. I'm your host, John Coupel, and I'm TFC Global's Denver area chaplain. Over the past few years, I've been a pastor, overseas missionary, and chaplain, and I love to learn and teach the Bible. When I learned about the challenges that truckers and professional drivers face here in America, like loneliness, isolation, addictions, and everything else that's rampant in the industry, I decided to become a chaplain with TFC Global to make an impact in people's lives. This podcast is for anyone who wants to listen, but I'm making it with professional drivers in mind. In our time together each week, we'll read and study the Bible in a short form that can be listened to on the road or on a break at a truck stop. I'll also do my best to let you know about resources to help you get plugged in to Christian community on the road. If this podcast is a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with others so that it can be a blessing for them too. Welcome back to Over the Road Bible. Last time we were together, we looked at the beginning of John chapter 2, where we saw the story of the wedding feast at Cana. We looked specifically at how John said this was the first sign that Jesus did. Remember that we're looking for seven signs throughout John's depiction of Jesus' ministry. So one out of seven is down, and we're going to be looking for six more. So I'll go ahead and break some of the suspense. The next sign is going to come up at the end of chapter 4. So we have a couple chapters in between where John's going to walk us through some of the stories of Jesus' life without hammering home any of the signs. That doesn't mean it's not important material in between. Obviously, we still want to look at it in depth. Also, you may have noticed at this point that I've come back to one particular theme a few times, which is God and man dwelling together because of the work of Jesus. I think this is a huge theme in John's Gospel, and I just want to explicitly point out that this is something important for us to think about as we continue through the book and will be especially important through the rest of chapter 2, which deals with the theme of the temple. That's what we're reading today, John chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, which is the end of the chapter. And as always, feel free to read along if you can, or listen along if you can't read it with me. The Passover of the Jews was at hand. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. So the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has taken forty-six years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name, when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them, because he knew all people, and needed no one to bear witness about man, for he himself knew what was in man. John is the TFC Global Chaplain for the Denver, Colorado area. If you'd like to financially support this podcast to keep it free of advertisements and support chaplaincy work in Denver, you can follow the link in the description to donate through PayPal. 
If you are from or traveling through the Denver area and would like to talk about chaplaincy services for your company or just meet with a chaplain for prayer, reach out at jonathanc at tfcglobal.org. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-C at tfcglobal.org. In the first verse of this section, we learned that the Passover was at hand, meaning it was almost time for it. So Jesus goes to Jerusalem. In Israel, there were three feasts every year when it was required that all the men in Israel travel to Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts and worship God in the way that it was prescribed in the law. The three feasts were the Passover, which happened in the spring, Pentecost about two months later, and the Feast of Booths in the fall. It may seem like a really small detail for John to point out that Jesus is going to Jerusalem for the Passover, but it is actually immensely important when it comes to the work and ministry of Jesus. In the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5.17, Jesus says that he did not come to abolish the law, but, but to fulfill it. So Jesus going to Jerusalem as the law required, even though at Jesus' time this law was ignored in large part, shows his fulfillment of the law and why it is that his sacrifice is effectual for salvation. Because he kept the law, but died a death and experienced separation from God like a person who didn't keep the law, we are able to accept his substitutionary, vicarious sacrifice for salvation. So it might seem like a small detail, but it's actually very, very important. Because without Jesus keeping the law, there would be no salvation for us. So he gets to Jerusalem and he comes to the temple. It's the first place he goes. And what does he find there? He finds a bunch of people making money off of Israelites who are trying to worship God at the feast of Passover. So what would happen during Passover is that people from all over Israel had to bring sacrifices to Jerusalem to be sacrificed in the temple. But especially if someone lived really far away from Jerusalem, it would be hard to bring an animal all that way. So there's provision in the law for the three feasts, these, these feasts that people would come to Jerusalem for, that if someone lived far away, they could sell their animal sacrifice where they lived so that they only had to travel with money, and then they could buy another one when they got to Jerusalem and sacrifice that one. But what was going on with these money changers is that they were raising the price of the temple animals that people would buy when they got there. So people would get to Jerusalem expecting to be able to buy an animal to sacrifice with the money they brought from selling their animal before they left home, and they were being taken advantage of at the temple. So the people who worked in the temple, namely the money changers, but almost certainly the Pharisees and the other religious leaders were involved in this operation were making dishonest gain from people who live far away. So when Jesus saw that the temple, which was supposed to be the place where man could worship God through these sacrifices and dwell along with God, it was being used for the dishonest gain of religious leaders. He was apparently really upset by this. He makes a whip and he uses it to drive out all the livestock. And that is how livestock was driven in those days was, was uh, with a whip, and he dumped out all the money of the money changers on the floor, and he flipped over their tables. And when Jesus did this, John says that his disciples uh, remembered a verse from Psalm chapter 69, which says, zeal for your house has consumed me. 
If we continue reading from this verse in Psalm 69, which John does not include, it goes on to say, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. It's interesting because in the context of people essentially robbing these travelers who wanted to worship the Lord at Passover, those money changers are reproaching the worship of God, and now Jesus is making himself the target of their reproach as well. This is not only interesting in the context of the temple during Passover, but also in Jesus's ministry as a whole when you think about his death on the cross. Remember from chapter 1 in his conversation with Nathaniel that Jesus is connecting heaven and earth. Remember how he changed the Jacob's ladder vision from Genesis 28. And Jesus is making the dwelling place of God with man, but he becomes a reproach to the very people he's trying to save, even to the point where they nail him to a Roman cross. So this Psalm 69 reference that John makes is really interesting to bring up here at the beginning of Jesus's ministry because of how it relates even to the end of his ministry. The next thing that happens in verse 11 is that the Jews ask Jesus what sign he's going to give for doing those things, or in other words, explain why you did this. You just flipped over our tables and cleared out the temple. Why did you do that? Now, one of the weird things in this verse is that this is at the temple in Jerusalem. Pretty much everyone there is a Jew. So why are these people specifically referred to by John as Jews? Now, this is likely the leaders of the Jews, which at the temple would be the Pharisees again. So notice again the use of the word sign here. They're asking for evidence to get them from point A, not believing in Jesus as the Messiah, to point B, believing that he is, right? Remember John chapter uh, 20 that we uh, started this whole study with. Jesus says, uh, Jesus says to them, okay, I'll give you a sign. Destroy the temple and I'll raise it up again in three days. And John clarifies in a little authorial note for us that Jesus was not talking about the temple where all this is taking place. Instead, he's talking about his body that he will raise from the dead three days after his crucifixion. In essence, then, Jesus is saying that he's not going to give them a sign right now. Their sign will come later after he's been put to death when he's raised from the dead. Then they will have everything they need to believe that he's the Messiah. Now notice how this is related to the thoughts of the disciples in verse 22. Even though Jesus said this to the Jewish leaders, not the disciples, the disciples heard it. Later on, after Jesus died and was resurrected, the disciples thought back to Jesus saying this and believed, quote, they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. So this is interesting because it tells us that although there was almost certainly some level of belief on the part of the disciples during Jesus's earthly ministry, because why else would they follow him around for three years, at least part of them didn't believe until after Jesus's words were proven by his resurrection. Now, the author John, being one of Jesus' disciples here, I wonder how much of his own heart is revealed in this statement, maybe expressing his own doubts during Jesus's life and how those doubts were cleared up when Jesus rose from the dead. I find this idea comforting, and I hope others do too that having doubts in what we believe is an almost universal experience, no matter how long you've been a Christian. Jesus' disciples, even when they spent three years with him during his earthly ministry, even when they saw all the seven signs that John writes about and all the other miracles that he did, even when they heard all his teachings and all his parables, they believed when he was raised from the dead, 
and thought back to what he said. I think this sort of establishes a design or method of what it means to meditate on God's word. If the disciples that John is talking about here hadn't been constantly thinking and dwelling on what Jesus had said, it is possible that they would have missed their opportunity to identify Jesus correctly and believe in him after the resurrection took place. And in the same way, if we want to see Jesus for who he really is, then we need to try and meditate on God's word in our day-to-day lives so that we can see and understand how God works in the world and in our lives. So one suggestion that I have that can help you do this and meditate on God's word is, you know, hopefully we are either reading the Bible or maybe listening to a podcast like this one, or or somehow you're hearing uh, some part of scripture on a day-to-day basis. Uh, Hopefully we're getting it more than just on a Sunday morning. And the best way that we can uh, meditate on God's word in our day-to-day life is to take some part of what we're hearing, hopefully every day, and commit it to memory just for that day. So that in the morning, we take in God's word, and then throughout the day, we are dwelling on it and thinking about it, thinking about the phrasing that was used and the way that it was said and how that impacts our lives. So that as things happen in our day-to-day lives, we have that standard of scripture at the front of our minds to constantly be dwelling on, even as we're just going through what might seem like the mundane uh, tasks of daily life, or maybe even like the monotony of being out on the road, it allows our minds to dwell and meditate on the things of the Lord uh, throughout our day-to-day lives. I think that's what the disciples are modeling here. It's what John's talking about as the disciples are thinking back to Jesus's statements after his death and resurrection. And I think that is a a powerful thing uh, for us to learn how to do and learn how to practice I think it can take us really far in our relationship with the Lord as we learn to do that and practice it. TFC Global offers chaplaincy services to trucking companies all around the U.S. and internationally. Chaplains give drivers people to talk to who genuinely care about the challenges they face and can provide them with spiritual, mental, and emotional health resources. We also offer addiction recovery resources through Celebrate Recovery and sexual health through the Gateway to Freedom Foundation. To find out if there's a chaplain in your area who can provide these resources to your company, contact the TFC Global office at 717-426-9977 or email us at info at tfcglobal.org to let us know how we can serve you. Thank you to everyone who listened today to Over the Road Bible, a teaching podcast from TFC Global. I hope this has been an encouragement and blessing for you. Please tune in again next week and we'll keep moving through the Gospel of John. To all of you putting in the hours out on the road, I appreciate you and the work you do. God bless you.